Father, we give you glory. We sing with the angels and your people through the ages. And we pray that as we continue in worship, you will help us to be more and more open and sensitive to your word and to the word of your spirit. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, how was your day yesterday? Good. I, I hope it was a day of joy and uh, blessing, a time of um, being with family and just enjoying uh, the time together. I, I hope you don't feel like the, the 12-year-old boy from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, who last year wasn't real thrilled with the presents Santa brought him, so this year... He went into a department store, found another Santa, and kicked him in the shins and socked him in the jaw. I'm hoping that wasn't your experience yesterday. Uh, maybe you can relate to the little boy who, uh, the cartoon I saw, he was climbing out of its huge box by the Christmas tree, and, and ribbons and wrapping papers strewn all over the, the room. And he says to his uh, pretty bewildered parents, are you sure this is my last gift? I, I don't think I've really found the true meaning of Christmas yet. Well, however yesterday may have turned out for you, with Christmas Day behind us, the celebration passed, the the gifts opened, the meal eaten, the question facing all of us is this. Now what? Now what do we do? Now what is an important question because for many people, Christmas is just sort of an interlude in a one-day interruption from their normal routine of living. We live and we have this one day of the year and we just sort of set it over here. We do things differently and then we come back to the way we always are. It's in one of the Peanuts cartoons, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. And you know, since it's that time of the season, I think we ought to bury our differences and, and try to be kind. And Charlie Brown says, why does it have to be at this time of the season? Why, why can't it be all year long? And Lucy says, what are you, some kind of fanatic? Yeah. I mean, typically the world is a little bit different at Christmas time. People tend to have a sense that they ought to be a little bit kinder, maybe a little softer, a little nicer. And then amazingly enough, it, it all disappears by New Year's, maybe even sooner than that. On one uh, fascinating story that comes out of the First World War, it was, which was a conflict of hand-to-hand trench warfare. Soldiers lived, fought, and died in these trenches, dug in the fields of France. Enemies were so close to one another, they could hear each other talking. On one cold, moonlit Christmas Eve, the soldiers on both sides were huddled in the bottom of their trenches, trying to keep warm, unsure of exactly what they ought to do, because the armies had declared a Christmas truce. Early on Christmas morning, some of the British soldiers climbed out of their trenches and into no man's land and began to kick around a soccer ball. And it wasn't long before some of the German soldiers came out. And that afternoon, England played Germany in soccer in no man's land in the middle of a field in France during World War I. This is a photograph of of some of the German and 
British troops standing together during the Christmas truce of 1914. But as night fell, and with the dawn of December 26th, came the all-too-familiar sounds, once again, of machine guns and bayonets clashing and death. And everything was back to normal. And for many people, Christmas is just sort of a one-day truce in their war against humanity and the world and probably even God. But shouldn't there be more than that? Now, if Christmas is just a holiday, then maybe a one-day truce is the best you can hope for. And a one-day truce is better than no truce. I mean, better to be generous and kind and loving one day than not at all. But if Christmas is about the incarnation of God in Christ, then surely it is more than just an interlude in our regular lives. There's got to be something else than just a day we set aside to be a little different and then go back to the way we were. Now, our dilemma is that the world doesn't just stop because it's Christmas. People still die at Christmas. Tragedies still happen at Christmas. Families are still torn apart at Christmas. People still hurt one another at Christmas. And in fact, some of you know that truth all too well. Isaiah's description of the Messiah who is to come is a declaration of one whose birth brings some amazing things to pass. The one who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This one is a presence of light to people living in darkness. Light upon those who are walking in the land of the shadow of death. And you'll notice that the prophet does not say that the coming of the anointed one will remove the darkness of the world. The prophet proclaims that the coming of the anointed one pierces the darkness with his light. He comes to bring hope and despair and joy and sorrow and peace and chaos. But he never promises to eliminate our pain and our struggle, our sorrow and our sadness, the tragedies, the injustice, the pain of this world. The truth of Christmas is that joy to the world, the Lord has come, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, is not a promise to rid our lives and our world of pain and struggle. That day will come only when we get to heaven. But it is a promise that Jesus comes to redeem our pain and our struggle. That Jesus comes to comfort us and to strengthen us in our times of difficulty. And not just on one day near the end of December every year, but every day of our lives. Which means that December 26th is as much as a day for recognizing the truth and celebrating the truth as December 25th. Maybe even more so. The 26th is a reminder that the birth of Jesus is not an end, it's a beginning. The 26th is not a day of sadness because the excitement is over. It's a day of great joy because the excitement is just beginning. This was in the mind of the church fathers in their design of the church calendar. Christmas is not a day. Christmas is a season that begins on Christmas Day and continues for 12 days until Epiphany, January 6th. Thus, you have the 12 days of Christmas. 
So the coming of Jesus is as important and has just as much bearing upon our lives on the 26th of December and on the 12th of March and on the 19th of July or on the 3rd of September as it does on the 25th of December. The promises of God in Christ are promises for every day. God in his great love has come to us not for one day, but for all days. That's what the coming of God in Christ brings. Because we don't put our hope in a moment. We put our hope in a person. And when we put our hope in this person, the child born in Bethlehem, Emmanuel, God with us, we discover once again that even when the moment has passed, the presence and the effects of the presence of this child continue and continue and continue. It may sound strange to you, but, the, but God's highest interest is not our salvation. At least, not as we tend to think of it. As just a moment in time. God's highest interest in us is relationship. And relationship is ongoing and takes time and energy. Our redemption is not some assembly line action. It's a relationship. Our transformation is not like a list to be checked off. As if God is in heaven saying, well, okay, they prayed the prayer, so let's move on to the next person. Somehow we have come to see redemption in that light. And we're wrong. I think that perspective cheapens and weakens what it means for God to come in human flesh. Which is so much more than a moment in time. It's so much bigger and deeper and wider and stronger. You think for a moment about your deepest relationship. Did it reach that depth in a moment? Are you close with people that you met once and never heard from or or saw again? No, of course not. Time and presence are the only way to turn encounters into relationships. Relationships never completed in a moment. Relationship is a lifelong journey of growing and trusting and learning and changing. And it's the same with Christ. He is born because relationship takes time. Because relationship is about entering into each other's lives, about living with the ups and downs of our human quirks and pains and struggles, which is why God's strategy of incarnation changes everything. God comes as a child because he's not just interested in winning battles and overcoming obstacles, though he is interested in those things. But he's interested in relationship with us. And relationship is never about one day. Relationship is life, all of life, every day. God's incredible plan for incarnation is for every day Every life. And he comes and he empties himself of all but love for more than just a temporary adjustment. He lays aside the regal robes of heaven and takes on the rags of human existence for more than just a little kinder, a little gentler time a few days at the end of December. His coming is so much more 
which is why we are here today. The day after Christmas is an acknowledgement that our relationship with Christ is a lifelong journey in which he is continually loving us and shaping us and challenging us and inspiring us to be more than we are, to experience what he created us to be, to challenge us and confront us and transform us and to, to inhabit every nook and cranny of our existence in order to redeem us and to give us the heart of Christ in relationship with him. 19th century author and poet Bret Hart was propelled to nationwide fame with his story, The Luck of Roaring Camp. Roaring Camp was supposed to be, according to the story, the meanest, toughest mining town in all the West. More murders, more thefts. It was a terrible place inhabited entirely by men and one woman. Her name was Cherokee Sal, and she died while giving birth to the baby of one of the men. Well, the men took this baby and and they put her in a box with some old rags under her. But when they looked at her, they decided that that really didn't look right. So they sent one of the men 80 miles to buy a new rosewood cradle. And he came back and and they put the baby in that cradle and they wrapped the rags around her. And... And they realized that the rags didn't look right either. So they sent another guy to Sacramento. And he came back with some beautiful silk and lace blankets. And they put the baby in those blankets and later in that cradle. And that looked pretty good until they happened to notice that the floor around the cradle was filthy. And so these hardened, tough men got down on their hands and knees. And, and they scraped and scrubbed that floor until it was spotless. Of course, what that did was to make the walls and the ceilings and the dirty windows without curtains look absolutely terrible. And so they washed down the walls and the ceilings and they bought curtains and they put those up. And now things were beginning to look as though they thought it should be. But, you know, they also decided and realized that they were going to have to give up a whole lot of their fighting because that baby slept a lot. And babies can't sleep very well when guys are brawling. So the whole temperature of Roaring Camp began to go down. And they used to take the baby out and and set her by the entrance to the mine in that cradle so they could all see her when they came up. And then somebody noticed what a dirty place that was. And so they planted flowers and they made this very nice garden and it looked beautiful. And they would bring her up out of the mine, you know, little stones that they found and things that other things that they would they would gather in their work. But when they put down their hands down next to her, they realized how filthy their hands were. And pretty soon the general store was all sold out of soap and shaving gear and that kind of stuff. And that's the way it is. A baby enters our lives. He slips into every crevice of our experience and changes everything. And that's exactly why he comes. Not just to be born for a moment, but to be born for all time, to change the entire landscape of what it means to truly live. 
As wonderful as it is to gather on Christmas Eve and to celebrate Christ's birth on Christmas Day, maybe, maybe, just maybe, worshiping on the day after Christmas is one of the most powerful affirmations of our faith in Christ and in all that his coming means for us and for this whole world. So now what? Now is the time to let Christ turn a day, a moment, into living relationship that transforms every little place of our existence. It's why he comes for you, for me, and for all people. Father, we thank you that Christ's coming is more than a moment, more than an interlude, more than an escape, but it is power and grace for every moment, for every part of our lives and for all that we face. We pray, Father, that you will help us to continue to open our lives more and more to you so that you fill us and make us the people you created us to be that we might truly celebrate the coming of Christ every day, every moment, with all of our being. In him we offer this prayer. Amen.